Hey, what's going on, everybody? Jeff Kasouf here, your host of Kicking Back. And this episode is a special episode, a reaction to the NWSL expansion draft, the 2022 NWSL expansion draft, which happened in 2021. Just happened here this Thursday, December 16th. And San Diego Wave FC, Angel City FC, the two teams entering the NWSL next season, made some picks, made some trades, a lot going on. Uh, a lot of complications, and uh, would you expect anything less? I don't think so. So uh, we did get some clarity on some things that were previously confusing and uh, got a little bit more, uh, a few more questions from this draft, but um, a little bit of a reaction here. So wanted to bring you this in this kick and back feed and bring it to you, our listeners. So uh, we did this as a Twitter Spaces chat, so you'll hear a little bit of interaction uh, from me with uh, some some people who are tweeting their questions, and we're going to do this again for the college draft. I keep calling it the college draft, the draft for younger players, <laughs> officially called the NWSL draft. But for clarity, since this is the expansion draft, Saturday's um, Saturday's drafts, we'll do this again. Uh, host a, a Twitter Spaces after that, and get it in the feed here, so that you can have some reaction to what's going on in the NWSL because it's been a very busy December, very confusing December. We've had trades that were announced that shouldn't have been and that broke league rules. And um, we've had trades that were handshake deals that have been reported but couldn't be confirmed. We've got the trade window is open now 12 hours early, uh, earlier than it was supposed to be. So a lot going on. Hopefully you can follow it all. Again, if anything gets confusing, all of these things you can find equalizersoccer.com slash subscribe. Subscribe and you will get access to everything that we do, which is quite a lot. And frankly, I had somebody ask me this this week, uh, where can I find certain information? And, and I said, I mean, this is what we do. You know, the, the confusing stuff, and there's plenty of it in this league, uh, your subscription helps us spend that time and energy and resources, and, and in the end, that's, that's money. Uh, tracking these answers down for you and, and writing about them and bringing you clarity. So equalizersoccer.com slash subscribe, uh, head over there and, and get all of that. And you can get hopefully the answer to any specific thing that you need. If I talk too fast in this about the draft and all these trades, uh, we've got a, a trade tracker, a transaction tracker on the site right in the top menu you can click and uh, you can go from there. So Go ahead and sign up there, subscribe there, and please go ahead, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. We've got Kicking Back, which is, this is a special episode, typically a conversation with someone in the women's soccer world. And we've got the Equalizer podcast, our main podcast, which uh, is a weekly pod of analysis. Uh, Claire Watkins hosts that um, with a, a rotating set of analysts, uh, uh, great analysts, and uh, they'll be recapping these drafts as well in their own fashion in the coming week. So... Um, please go ahead and rate and review both of those, really, if you would, and subscribe to both of them as well, and you won't miss a thing, and you will be busy, uh, kept busy and up to date on women's soccer. So with that, I uh, appreciate you joining me again. This is our Twitter Spaces chat, so uh, bear in mind uh, some of that as, as I go through and talk uh, as you listen here on demand on uh, recording. And uh, this is Kicking Back. Appreciate you joining me, and we're looking forward to another one of these and getting back to our regularly scheduled programming as well soon. 
All right, folks, what's going on? I'm your host, Jeff Kasouf, usually here on Kicking Back, and we're on Twitter Spaces tonight to talk about the NWSL expansion draft that just ended. Uh, I'm going to try to keep the, the screen open here. If you're tweeting some questions, uh, feel free to do so, and hopefully help you better understand what just happened and what is still happening. The trade window is officially open. Uh, which is news in itself because it's 12 hours early. It was supposed to be open 9 a.m. Eastern on Friday. It is open now in full. Uh, the league is confirmed, which you probably realized from the several major trades that were announced at the end of that broadcast. So trade windows open. We had an expansion draft, a little bit of an anticlimactic one, and I'll go over the picks uh, from that, some of the, some of the knock-on effect of those picks because they had – uh, that several of them were involved in trades. And uh, I'll take your questions. I've got a few of them uh, tweeted to me, uh, a few on the basic end, and a few about some of the moving parts that are going on here. So uh, if you have any, shoot me a note. Um, either, I guess, tweet at me or at Equalizer Soccer here, and I will try to catch those uh, as I talk here. And apologies if I don't, but hopefully we cover everything. So uh, expansion draft in the books. If you are confused or tired, don't worry. There's a college draft in uh, less than 48 hours. So it'll be uh, more draft chaos for you to try to follow. That one a little bit more straightforward in terms of uh, picks. And, and I assume I, there's 50 in, in that now. I would assume there's no pass options gonna that are going to happen in that one. But uh, certainly, I'm sure some trades to, to be had still uh, as draft day, as college draft day usually brings. So uh, expansion draft tonight, Angel City, San Diego Wave, the two teams entering the league in 2022. And we had some trades, uh, several trades that took away some of the drama from this to begin with. Obviously, over half the picks coming into this had been traded away, uh, had been protected for trades that involved immunity from existing teams. Kansas City came into the league uh, via purchase of the Utah Royals uh, and, and had exemption from this from the start. That left the nine other teams, and then many of them traded out of them, some of them in full, some of them in partial, uh, partially. And then we had some handshake deals, which uh, one of which uh, I reported uh, previously last week, uh, one of which was reported and, and quite out there. And I think, you know, you can look at it as part of this. Um, and, and then one of which happened um, not in real time so much, but, but was uh, an, a player that was selected, which was Christy Mewis, and then traded away immediately. So Angel City opens the draft. Danny Weatherholt, midfielder from O.O. Reign. And I'll just go through these picks quickly in case you need them and then talk a little bit about them and take your questions on them. Uh, San Diego Wave follows with Christy Mewis, immediately trades her to Gotham for 200000 in allocation money. Third pick in the draft is Angel City, probably the most surprising pick, Angel City, Claire Emsley, uh, who was a midfielder for the Orlando Pride in 2019, uh, is at Everton now, and obviously um, Orlando held her rights. Angel City obviously has some plans there. San Diego with that fourth pick, Kristen McNabb, O.L. Reign defender. And then Angel City, Jasmine Spencer, forward for the Houston Dash. San Diego then passes on the sixth pick, which they do again at the eighth pick, uh, and I'll get to that. Uh, in between that, Angel City takes Paige Nielsen, Washington Spirit defender, uh, and again, partial 
the partial immunity there. Uh, Washington was full immunity from San Diego and had worked out a deal that their U.S. allocated players from 2021, allocation going away uh, in 2022, but the 2021 allocated players, which were Andy Sullivan, Emily Sonnet, and Kelly O'Hara could not be picked by Angel City. So uh, Angel City goes with Paige Nielsen. And then the final pick of the draft, the ninth one, which is only the seventh player picked, is Kaylee Real from Racing Louisville, defender from Racing Louisville. So uh, a common name in these expansion drafts, uh, I guess, unfortunately for her uh, so far. Hopefully uh, San Diego, a place where she can she can find a home. A lot of defenders in San Diego already. So uh, those that's how the draft itself played out. And then afterward, I'll pull up these trades and make sure I've got the numbers right for you. Uh, we get the Alex Morgan trade confirmed. Uh, again, trade window opening early. Um, actually, let me address a question before I move on to these that, that many of you had and I've gotten on tweets. Why did San Diego pass twice and then pick Kaylee Real last? Uh, I don't know for sure. The only explanation I have, honestly, is that the broadcast was already stretched out incredibly thin and they didn't want the further anticlimactic ending of two straight passes at the end. Um, so I and, and there was no Angel City pick uh, in between them that would have uh, mattered because Washington was fully immune from uh, from San Diego anyway, and that was that pick at the end. So uh, it didn't really matter what order San Diego did there, so I'm going to assume that TV had some say in it not being an incredibly boring ending to uh, uh, an event, which was, you know, obviously, uh, I think, tough to, you know, initially going to be 20 picks then or 18 picks, and then it became uh, seven players picked in the end. So uh, that's the only answer I have to that. A lot of you tweeted me that question. Um so the trades themselves, San Diego officially, uh, legally officially announcing Alex Morgan in the trade. 275000 in allocation money back to Orlando. That's the most uh, in league history that's been in a single trade. Uh, and then also uh, Angered James, uh, who's a midfielder who came from North Carolina in a trade that the Courage did for immunity from San Diego. This is all very confusing. I know, hopefully... Uh, I'm not talking too fast, and if I am, feel free to ask anything. Um, so James and 275000 to Orlando. The Christy Mewis trade I mentioned, she's headed to Gotham for 200000 allocation money. Houston actually gets 150000 for the fact that she was a 2021 allocated player who was selected. So um, in a way, you know, it, it, she doesn't leave Houston for free in that sense, um, and it seems like they have some plans for the allocation money. I think uh, Mariah Sanchez, obviously an open secret at this point. She was protected by Houston um, and is wrapping up her, her season with Tigres, who play in a two-leg final uh, on Friday and Monday for another Mexican title, uh, Liga MX Femenil title. Um, so 200000 allocation to San Diego. Uh, for Christy Mewis, uh, who is that number two overall pick. And from from what I gather thus far, the, and, and from the way the Gotham press release reads as well, uh, I believe that is where she'll be playing. Uh, but, but, you know, obviously a bunch going on there, and we'll see uh, how when that gets confirmed. But uh, certainly the, the amount of money exchanged and, and the early indications that I'm hearing is, is that's that is, in fact, the case, um, and obviously quite a bit to spend if Gotham weren't sure of that. Uh, also, trade that I reported last week, Portland Thorns, they were uh, one of the, the pass options that took place here. 
um, in San Diego, and, and I guess I should say uh, you look at uh, the Orlando one as well, uh, Orlando, uh, San Diego passing on Orlando, and you can put two and two together there uh, with the, the Morgan trade. Um, and then the Portland trade that I reported last week, Kristen Westfall, Amira Ali, who was a 2021, January 2021 draft pick uh, for Portland uh, out of Rutgers. She stayed at Rutgers, got them to a Final Four appearance, a College Cup appearance. Westfall and Ali to San Diego. Portland gets the, the pass, the pseudo protection in the draft, and 50000 in allocation money. And then the only other one, I guess, that we didn't really have some inkling about beforehand, uh, at least before whatever this was, 8.45 p.m. Eastern or so, uh, Angel City acquires the number six overall pick in this Saturday's college draft or just draft at this point, just trying to distinguish it, um, from Houston. And Houston gets the 26 overall pick, which is in the second round, and 125000 in allocation money. So if you're doing the math, that is 275000 in allocation money acquired by Houston just tonight by way of uh, a formal trade and by way of losing Christy Mewis uh, to San Diego from that selection. So a lot of moving parts there. Um, hopefully you, you followed along, uh, just scrolling a bit for your questions and, and feel free to tweet them. Uh, look, you know, I've written about this, the, the expansion draft. We're at the point where I think this in, in the system we've been presented is a good thing that it was basically leverage and, and not necessarily something that was uh, used all that much by San Diego and Angel City in terms of making selections, obviously seven picks out of what could have been 20, um, and, and some important picks in there, certainly. Um, you know, I think that that is, uh, you know, I think Danny Weatherholt, first overall pick in that one, uh, was a good one. Uh, a solid veteran midfielder. I think she's had some some opportunities. She she looked good in Orlando when she got minutes. You know, obviously a very crowded front six for OO Rain, uh, and and I think you know in that sense a good move for her to get more minutes and and be sort of a focal point, uh, a central point uh, for LA, p- presumably anyway. So uh, I think a good pick there from Angel City, and and there was that forward protection that was in play uh, as well. So. Um, we had that, and then the you know the Muish trade. I, I think you look at San Diego too. Defensively, um, you've got Kaylee Real now, uh, Kristen McNabb, the two that really the only two players that end up staying in or for now end up staying in San Diego. So more defenders on top of you have Tegan McGrady, uh, and then Abby Dahlkemper being the first signing, obviously an anchor there. You have Kaylin Sheridan coming over from Gotham in one of those pre-draft trades in goal. So certainly Casey Stoney, head coach, who was a defender in her day, which was not long ago, uh, focusing on the back line. Then you get Alex Morgan in there. You've got obviously um, a proven solution up top. And then I think, you know, the question now becomes in the midfield. And that's something that, that San Diego will have to address here uh, in, I, I assume will do so to some degree in the international market um, and, and whatever else in the trade market um, or otherwise, um, sorry, I thought there was a, there was a hand up, but um, I'll try to take any questions. So yeah, you can tweet them via just typing them at Equalizer or me, um, and I'll try to, we tried, we did this at the NWSL Championship. I tried to let a couple folks in, and um, I don't know if they were muted or otherwise, but it didn't quite work out. So um, let me know if you have any questions. You know, look, the 
San Diego front, like I said, midfield being the big question. Angel City, I think, has made... Uh, I think there's there's a lot of intrigue around Angel City because there's a lot of... Um, a lot of less obvious things happening in that, you know, you look at, uh, I think the Claire Emsley pick being um, a surprise. And I would say, you know, in a good way, I think obviously there's a plan there. And I think Emsley was, was very good in Orlando in, in a season where the pride really struggled significantly, I think was a bright spot and then went to Everton. Um, and, you know, similarly, uh, Everton last season anyway, when they were sort of floating around that, that top four, um, you know, quite a bit. And, and throughout the season that Emsley was, uh, when she did play anyway, was was very good for them. So, you know, I like that pick. Um, you know, I look at some of the others um, of what's going on. You know, Paige Nielsen's a good pickup uh, in the back. I think up front, obviously, you already have the Kristen Press signing. Simone Charlie is, is a very good pickup to, you know, what Freya Coombe is going to do there uh, is a question. So is that a two front? Is that a three front? They picked up Jasmine Spencer in this draft. That'll be interesting to see. Um, so, you know, I think with with Angel City, again, I think you have to imagine there are some some international signings to be had here. And, and you know, there, there are some uh, a couple things in the rumor mill uh, at the moment as well. So, you know, there is... I think there's the question of what is this going to look like? And for both those expansion teams, it's an incomplete picture so far. Uh, the January transfer window in, in many places will open up and, and maybe we'll get a little bit clearer of a picture. Um, but, you know, similarly, Freya Coombe, you know, the I think we still need to see what she wants to do and what her style really is and how that's going to mesh with what Angel City sees themselves as because... You know, in Gotham, coming on late 2019, that season was practically over at that point. 2020, you know, also practically a wash because of what, you know, the world presented us in the pandemic. And, you know, Gotham goes through, I think, a decent Challenge Cup, a decent fall series. And then 2021 Challenge Cup, obviously make the final against Portland. And then some bright spots that sort of... It's, it's tough to know exactly what started deteriorating when because the that mid-season slump of sorts that Gotham had, I think um, I think it was punctuated by that switch to the three-back, and, and forgive me, I'm forgetting the opponent, but um, it was an early August game, and it was right after the, the Freya news uh, had come out, the Freya Coom news had come out that she'd be leaving for, for Angel City, or right before that, I'm sorry, but the team was aware of it. At that point, and there was a three-back switch, and, and post-game players said, you know, we we learned of this switch after, you know, a couple days ago and, and trained it for a day or two. Um, but, you know, at some point in that middle of the season, uh, things were not going right for Gotham there. So all to say, we really, we, we literally have not seen a full season of uh, a body of resume from Freya Coombe with a team as a head coach in this league yet. So you know, in that sense, a mystery in itself as well for Angel City. And, you know, you could probably say the same thing for San Diego, certainly applicable to Casey Stoney in this league. Uh, but we have seen her, uh, what she did with Manchester United in, in England. And I think, you know, one point to that is, uh, and it's been brought up before, is that Casey Stoney built that Manchester United team uh, largely from nothing because despite their, their name value as a whole, uh, started from nothing in the championship, the second division in England, built that team quickly, much like you might build um, 
an expansion team in the NWCL. Not, not at all like that in a, in a mechanisms front, but um, in, in terms of starting from scratch, needing to do it quickly, you know, similar sort of thing. So I think when you look at that, you can say, okay, you know, there is a little bit of a, a experience of going through this before of this process. And then obviously, you know, at one point, halfway through the season last year, after promotion in the top flight, halfway through the season in the FAWSL, Manchester United sitting top of the table, and then, you know, things things sort of deteriorated from there. Um, still, you know, the top four finish, but um, not not certainly, you know, to go from first place and title contender to, to where it ended was not ideal. But, you know, we saw the reports after that of, uh, some support from from the club and and you know some things going on behind the scenes that I think you can certainly say would would potentially affect uh, a team and and you know to to the point of some U.S. listeners here I'm sure um, you know Tobin Heath carried that injury and, and missed basically the whole second half of the season huge factor there because she was a, a big piece of that success in the first half of the season so you know, two unproven coaches in, in different ways. Uh, one certainly in this league, one who's been in the league and, and um, has not yet had a full season. So, you know, I think some real intrigue there uh, on both fronts and, and curious to see kind of how this fills out. I've seen some talk of um, already, you know, I think we saw a little bit on, on the broadcast as well of, of whether these teams are, are ready to contend or not. Um, you know, look, no, no cop out here, but that is, I think it's way too early to talk about that because we have a, a really incomplete picture, um, incomplete rosters. And despite the talent on them, I'd say, I would say initially here, they're built a lot better than we've seen previous expansion teams, uh, out at this point in time. And I think it should be acknowledged that's a product of the, the mechanisms at play here because up until a year ago, nobody knew that you could trade for draft immunity. And then the Red Stars sort of opened Pandora's box with Louisville last year. And now we saw that just about everybody was trying to do it this year. And that was not something that was previously afforded to uh, an Orlando or Houston as an example. So uh, a very different vibe, a very different set of rules and, and um, everything really context around this expansion draft and previous ones. But um, should be said that, you know, so I think that should be said, but uh, I would say at this point in time of the roster build, I think probably stronger than we've seen, uh, even from a year ago with, with Louisville, who took a lot of risks. And I, I think you can say they didn't necessarily pay off. And you can even look at the protected list for them and, and, and see that pretty clearly a year later. But um, bright, you know, bright starts in that sense for Angel City and San Diego. But uh, definitely, I definitely want to see what what they uh, round out the roster with and how things sort of take shape around the rest of the league before we start talking about uh, contenders and whatnot because there there is that adjustment period. But um, just scrolling here again, if you have any questions, uh, I'm looking at one here uh, from Alok. Hopefully, I didn't mess up your name. Apologies if I did. Um, any reason why Dash didn't protect Christie and deal with Gotham directly? Good question. I think the root of the answer is probably, well, two things. You can only protect one U.S. allocated player. So you also, th there were multiple options there for Houston to have to deal with, and, and they decided that Jane Campbell was the one to protect, um, which, you know, their number one goalkeeper in the U.S. picture, obviously, um, you know, I think that that is a knowing, you know, armed with the knowledge that they knew Christy Mewis was potentially moving on or looking to move on. Um, you know, I think that that on top of Campbell being your number one 
just makes that really sensible. And and even with that, um, that that is sort of the context to, okay, we can do that. And also you get 150000 in allocation money back by San Diego taking her. So that's... Um, if you look at the deals, San Diego got two hundred from two hundred thousand in allocation from Gotham, and Houston got one fifty one hundred fifty thousand in allocation by way of San Diego selecting them. So, by not dealing directly, I guess you could say they sacrificed fifty thousand, but they also didn't have to give up anything else. Which maybe you you get into a trade negotiation and you have to do that. So, um, in, in that sense, I think it was sort of the the path of least resistance to, to something that seemed like it might inevitably happen. Um, so I think that that's probably uh, the, the way to look at that, of, of why Houston didn't do that directly. Um, let's see. So thank you for that question. And I think answered earlier, if you just joined, uh, why did San Diego pass twice before taking Kaylee Real last? I'm going to have to say that is a TV decision, and uh, I don't know how much more uh, to that there really is. Um, yeah, a comment here that I've got uh, that the number one pick not being involved in the Alex Morgan trade, I think a little bit surprising as well when you look at Orlando um, rebuilding. I mean, I don't know what other word you know you could necessarily use, and, and you know Jalen Howell being available. Um, Jalen Howell being really the, the unanimous, I think, uh, first pick in this draft. Um, you know, Florida State product, I've, I've heard uh, in, in the periphery that, that she was interested in, in playing, uh, staying in Florida to play. But, um, you know, look, one, it's only Thursday night. And unfortunately for all of us who want to sleep, the trade window is open now and not, not opening at 9 a.m. on Friday. Uh, so a lot can be done between now and the draft, and, and typically things get a little bit wonky on draft day itself. So certainly some, some moves that could still happen here. Um, so I think that's one way to one thing to keep in mind. And, and two, yeah, I think a little bit surprising, though, that, that it wasn't, uh, wasn't part of it, but can understand why you know, San Diego wasn't willing to give that up. And remember, San Diego, as, a, as it stands, number one, and racing Louisville picking second um, in this draft, this Saturday college draft. So um, that's by way of the Kristen Press trade. That would have been um, that would have been uh, Angel City in that second spot. So uh, it's San Diego and then Louisville. And sorry, somebody else raised their hand and put it back. So um, I will scroll for a couple minutes longer. Don't want to keep you all too long, but appreciate you joining me. And if you have a question, shoot it to me now. And hopefully that was not too confusing for you and I've covered most of, of your questions and what you all are looking for uh, for expansion draft reaction recap and just basic understanding, uh, perhaps. So again, you know, I think a little bit anticlimactic, obviously, in that half the picks or, or more than them were gone. But, um, you know, I, I think in the end, the fact that that happened is a good thing as a way of showing that there might be a better way than the expansion draft because uh, I've written this, I've talked about it, and the um, the expansion draft is just it's it's outdated. You know, it's not. If you talk to the two expansion teams coming in this year, and certainly if I mean you can go back and talk to Louisville as well from last year, it is not an overly helpful mechanism in acquiring. Uh, 
players that will be focal points or even potentially stick around for too long for teams coming in. And it's obviously a significant nuisance to incumbent teams who have spent maybe years building a roster that they then know is going to blow up in some one way or another, whether they expose themselves to the draft or they make a trade to get out of it, they have to give something up. So um, I think it's a dated system. I, you know, There's no better evidence for that than the past couple of weeks and the way that that's played out with teams trading out of the draft. And honestly, um, I mean, honestly, slightly farcically having two of nine picks be a pass, um, which is, is in part because deals didn't get done ahead of time and, and they had to be done that way. But, you know, point of the story being, uh, I think there's better ways here. And uh, I've written a little bit about that, of what that could be. And, you know, I think that there are several elements here. Increase the number of Look, whether whether current owners would ever approve any of these is a different story. But one, you know, the big the big elephant in the room to this is some version of restricted free agency would allow expansion teams to come in, have some extra money, and say, okay, here are some free agents on the market. We're going to go get them. That's at no direct cost to a team that is just forced to give them up. Um, so that that's the elephant in the room. Where that nets out in CBA talks, we'll see. But, um, you know, also, do you give, again, I'm sure some current teams will cringe at this, but do you say, hey, you're coming in the league, you're not only getting the first overall pick in the, the draft, you're getting the second or whatever that looks like, first and third, first and whatever, and all of a sudden maybe you have the opportunity to select two franchise players in that on top of extra money, extra international spots. I think there's more creative ways to do this than uh, the way this has played out this year. And, and I think, again, this is, is kind of evidence of that. Um, got a question from Emily. Uh, thank you for, for sending it in. Um, why did USSF choose to announce the player of the year in the middle of the TV window for the draft? I do not know the answer to that either, other than, uh, again, TV. Um, that, that was a, a something that was also revealed on a different TV network. But yes, at the same time, I don't have a good answer for that other than um, unfortunate. Uh, but good to see, you know, Lindsay Horan was the, the player of the year for U.S. Soccer, uh, Women's Player of the Year. And um, I voted in that. I think it was a, a weird year, um, particularly involving, you know, for, for club and country in that vote. I think a, a lot of, I think that that pick could have gone one of, a handful of ways, and I wouldn't argue because I'm not sure that anybody necessarily was the clear and obvious American player of the year. But the young player of the year was Trinity Rodman, Washington Spirit, rookie, helped the Washington Spirit win an NWSL championship. Um, very frankly, should have been the championship game MVP, but is 19, and that award is sponsored by Budweiser. Um, very, I mean, I think that's a, a slam dunk pick and and she's a star already so uh, good to see that um from from or you know, the voters i guess uh let's see i think that is a bulk of a lot of uh, some repeat questions on, on a couple of things so i think that's the bulk of what uh i have and we're close to a half hour here so i think we'll wrap it up there we're going to do this again on saturday night which uh well saturday at some point, I think that's the less predictable one. This draft with such few, so many, um, 
not so many picks uh, was due to end at nine, and it did. Nine Eastern, uh, the college draft. The I'm going to keep calling it the college draft for clarity, but it's the draft. Uh, two Eastern on Saturday, if you're tuning in again on those CBS properties. Um, I'm I'm going to plan. We'll plan to do this around six Eastern, which is the rough idea I've been given of when it might end. I pray that it's six Eastern. <laughs> it's not seven or otherwise, but uh, we'll do it roughly around then. You know, thanks for tuning in and, and following along. We'll we'll keep you updated on this this handle right here as if the time needs to fluctuate quite a bit. Um, Fifty picks five zero, which is the most we've had. And um, as many of you probably remember, a lot of timeouts last year and in some previous years. So hopefully by six Eastern, uh, we're doing this as a full recap, and there are not any more picks still ongoing. But We'll see. So uh, until then, thank you for joining me here on The Equalizer. Subscribe, equalizersoccer.com slash subscribe. We've still got a 50% off coupon for a little bit until Christmas, I think. That'll pop up for you if you're not already subscribing, and that'll get you in-depth content and features, breaking news, analysis, lots of stuff that you can only get by subscribing, and we're doing this on the daily. So um, if you're looking to understand the league better or U.S. soccer better, um, and beyond that, we do a lot of FAWSL. We're doing a lot of Liga MX now. Um, subscribe, and, and that'll help you better understand it. So thanks for joining me. Appreciate it, and we'll be back again Saturday.